Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning into this episode. Today we're going to talk all about the Australian V8 Supercar Championship and their second race weekend since returning from the COVID-19 pandemic lockdown. Now, the second round uh, was take, took place again at the Sydney Motorsport Park due to the fact that that particular area of Australia is a lot less affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. So we've got our second visit to Sydney Motorsport Park. Now, for those of you who listened to our last episode about the V8 Supercar Championship and the VP Ultimate Sydney Super Sprint, you'll know that we were treated to some brilliant action with Supercar's new format. Well, the Truck Assist Sydney Super Sprint, different sponsor this time for those eagle-eyed amongst you, um, was did not disappoint either. And in fact, the usual three-race weekend with one under the lights at Sydney Motorsport Park, which added a really exciting new element. And I have to say, the V8 supercar is looking fantastic under the lights at Sydney. If you're new to um, V8 supercar racing, I'll give a very brief introduction up to about what the, the category all is all about. So supercars is basically, it's the premier motor racing category in anywhere in the Southern Hemisphere, really. Um, touring car based, so it's a saloon car that you would recognise, for example, the Holden Commodore uh, and uh, now the Ford Mustang, which, uh, yes, is a coupe, but uh, still running in the same rules package as the old Ford Falcon, which was uh, a saloon car. The engines, the, the main thing is the engine that powers these cars, naturally aspirated, huge 5-litre V8s with 6 150 horsepower they have a sequential gearbox so normally in a racing car you'll see them the gear especially if you watch formula one you'll see the the driver changing gear with the paddles behind the steering wheel and you'll see them in many road cars now as well pull the right paddle to go up a gear pull the left paddle to go down a gear v8 supercar is a little bit more old school it's a bit more like uh, a british touring car or um or a gt car in 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 years gone by and basically you've got an enormous lever that's right to the driver's on the driver's left hand because it's a right hand drive vehicle being australia and the, to the driver's left hand you have this big lever and you pull it towards you um to go up a gear and push it away from you to go down a gear which so the drivers often are driving with one hand which with something of this amount of power uh, is is quite extraordinary. Now the cars themselves are extremely heavy. They weigh nearly 1.5 tons, which to give you an impression, that's as heavy as a NASCAR Cup car. So it's a seriously heavy, seriously seriously heavy car uh, for a touring car, but of course has a lot of horsepower to get it out of uh, to to push it along. The main the main storylines uh, in V8 supercars, one of the biggest storylines that's run through the sport for years is the battle between Ford and Holden. There are very few more divisive rivalries anywhere in motorsport and quite frankly anywhere in sport. You're either a Ford person or you're a Holden person. There is no in-between. And that still rumbles on to this day. Now, unfortunately, at the end of the season, Holden will be uh, leaving the V8 Supercar Championship in an official capacity because actually 
Holden's parent company, General Motors, have actually decided to shut the Holden brand down entirely because Holden, as a right-hand drive um, only brand, was its market was very much limited to uh, Australia and New Zealand. So that's caused it caused a lot of issues. So it now is in very much up in the air who will replace Holden, if anybody. And without that Ford Holden rivalry, it's going to be uh, the sport's really going to have to reinvent itself. However we will come on to how they're already doing a good job about that. Also, you may have heard of a place called Bathurst. Well, Bathurst is the biggest race of the year. That is the Super Bowl of supercar racing. Uh, the Bathurst 1000, 1000 kilometres over the Mount Panorama Circuit, which for me is the greatest challenge anywhere on earth for a driver. And that is where to win Bathurst is almost almost bigger than winning the championship altogether. It's such a big deal to win Bathurst and that and luckily we're still on course to have uh, our visit to Bathurst in early October in its traditional date. Now interestingly this particular category of motorsport carries a lot of prestige, there's a lot of finance involved in, in the sport but it's still dominated by local drivers, by drivers from Australia and New Zealand and it's very very rare for drivers to come in from out with those two countries and, and have any kind of success because it's hard to actually put your finger on why that's the case um, perhaps because it is seen as such an ultimate level of motorsport in Australia and New Zealand but uh, there are there are plenty of theories as to why why that is the case but it does require such a specific technique to drive a car with that amount of power and that amount of weight it's a seriously heavy car so that's a brief, a brief introduction into supercars. You can visit www.supercars.com to get all the latest news on the, the series, learn about the teams, the cars, the drivers. And also, there's a, if you live out with of Australia or New Zealand, there is a fantastic thing called Superview, which costs $40 a year and you get to watch every late race live on demand whenever whenever you wish. And I have to say, that's uh, it's the best 40, 40 Australian dollars I spent all year because you, the coverage is fantastic. So, talk about there's a new format uh, in V8 supercars, and actually it's kind of it's kind of almost happened by accident because with the new coronavirus uh, pandemic restrictions, as lots of sports trying to get back to running again, trying to get back onto the TV, getting the sponsors out there, get the cars on track, get the drivers behind the wheel. Um, there's had to be a lot of compromises. And actually, the Supercars Championship have landed on a format that works perfectly and has actually really shaken up the established order of the sport because up until this season, and actually even in the early part of the season before these new restrictions came in, we had a couple of rounds of the season before the, the lockdown was imposed, but it was very much the Penske, Team Penske, DJR Team Penske Fords, and the AAA engineering Red Bull Holdens, and that was about it. It was very, very difficult for any driver to break that stronghold, and quite honestly, that made it, a, it the sport wasn't really reaching its proper entertainment potential that it's capable of, because when you've got cars as spectacular and as loud and as wild as these, and such talented drivers driving them, the sport deserved more, quite frankly, and in the last two visits to Sydney Motorsport Park, that is exactly what has been delivered. So, Supercars now, uh, they're effectively the weekend format now, 
is three short sprint races and even they still are just under an hour so they're still a reasonable length with one uh, one uh, compulsory pit stop in the middle of the races now instead of having a three-day event they now only have a two-day event uh, which again works really really well one of the biggest factors also is the reduced number of crew each team to run two cars for two drivers you're only allowed 11 staff in total to run two cars so the number of staff at the circuit is incredibly limited uh, and that is obviously to to um, be able to make social distancing easier and also to reduce the risk of transmission infection etc we, we all know we all know why that's the case what it means is, is that also it's a huge challenge for the drivers and the teams but it also means that they have less dependence on data they don't have as much time in between the races to pour over the data and spend lots of money on on that data collection that data analysis and obviously the people that are required to do that so it's a little bit more old school and you'll see you'll hear about you know for example scott mclaughlin was talking about how he would be the drivers can tune their anti-roll bar in the car on the fly as they go uh, and he was doing that when he was job chopping and changing between soft and hard tires so there's a lot more old school techniques going on which uh, to me suits suits the sport perfectly so the big thing though the biggest change of all is the limit to tires so for the entire weekend so for three races and the qualifying and practice sessions the drivers have two sets of soft tires and three sets of hard tires that's it so effectively they don't have enough tires enough fresh tires anyway uh to make it the whole weekend so they they have to be really really careful and plan when they use their tires and there's they're not going to be able to put a new tire on every time which was the case before and that was why before when when basically when teams were able to put on new tires every single time then the fastest cars always uh were were coming out on top and that was the Penske Fords and the Triple Eight Holdens, and nobody else, the lesser funded teams, couldn't keep up, uh, and it made for pretty stale uh, entertainment. But so what that meant is that certain drivers can basically then, with three races to play for, they can identify one race over the weekend where they keep their two best sets of tires for. So effectively, putting it all in for. Uh, the race win whereas before they wouldn't necessarily have that opportunity to go for the race win so for the championship contenders however like scott mclaughlin jamie wincup Chaz moster etc they've got to be a lot more clever they've got to try and plan over the weekend and they're now thinking about how many points they can gather over the weekend and they know that they won't be able to come in and sweep the whole weekend they might win one two races if they're really lucky but uh, they know that that it's going, they're going to have to be damage limitation at some point. And quite honestly, well, as we'll see with the results, there is a huge new variety of teams, drivers, and crucially sponsors getting uh, an opportunity. And it's brought back that crucial ingredient to entertainment, which is unpredictability. We know that in Formula One, Formula One has really suffered over the years through certain times where the the sport was is predictable you could be pretty you can be pretty confident to say that formula one has been very much predictable over the last couple of years and really the last time it was unpredictable i would say was around 2010 to about 2012 or so so 
what did we see then? Well, we saw lots of different winners. We saw Jack LeBrock in his super cheap auto Tickford Ford Mustang get his first ever career win in race three, and he became the 72nd winner of all time in Australian touring car history. Nick Perkat in the Dunlop Super Dealers Brad Jones Racing Holden Commodore, he won a race for the second meeting in a row. Now, bearing in mind before that, he hadn't won for years. Uh, he hadn't won back since 2016 uh, in Adelaide. So he hadn't won for about four and a half years, and now he's won twice in two, uh, in two meetings. Andre Heimgartner got his first pole position and this became the 62nd driver ever to qualify on pole in Australian touring car history. So there was lots of things happening which are shaking up the order. Really, really, I mean, I couldn't, you couldn't have, you couldn't have predicted what was going to happen. And I think the great thing about it is as well is that, and why Supercars, the, the championship have done such a brilliant job is it's not... I don't think it's contrived or artificial in any way, to be honest. I, I think that it's really strategical and you have teams that can go for the win. They can put all their eggs in the basket for the win. But of course, when you get four or five teams doing the same thing, of course, the action at the front is spectacular. And we saw that on more than one occasion over the weekend. To race one. Race one, Scott McLaughlin, uh, the championship leader and his number 17 um, DGR team Penske Ford Mustang put it on the uh, put it on the pole position. Uh, his 64th career pole position and his ninth at uh, Sydney Motorsport Park. Now the race this was the race that was held under the lights, so held in the evening, so much cooler temperatures and not obviously no uh, no sunlight hitting the track surface. What that meant that the track surface was a lot cooler and therefore kinder on the tyres and that played a critical part of the race. So McLaughlin started on pole on in his Ford but on second on the, on the front row of the grid beside him in second place was Shane Van Gisbergen, his fellow Kiwi in the number 97 888 Red Bull Holden. So rival driver, rival teams on the on the front. Now Scott McLaughlin chose to start on one of his hard sets of tyres Shane Van Gisbergen started on the soft. And although Scott McLaughlin got the initial, he got a fantastic launch off the line, he could not hold on to Shane Van Gisbergen, who was on the soft, who got out in front and, and basically cleared off. I mean, the difference in tyre um, in, in pace was just extraordinary to watch. And as the opening phase of the race opened up, all of the guys on soft tyres just streamed to the front of the field and watching that all happen was incredibly uh, exciting. Now Scott McLaughlin, he, pot, he pitted relatively early, he pitted at about one third distance of the race, around lap 10-11 or so, and changed to a soft tyre. Shane Van Gisbergen, remember he was already on a soft tyre, he waited until two thirds distance, about lap 21, to change uh, basically to on the soft tyre and basically as it turned out he'd left it too long he'd run too many laps on the soft tyre the tyre wore out and he dropped off in pace and then finished very far down the order in the end McLaughlin and his DGR Team Penske team played it absolutely perfectly and won the race 
from the pole position. So it was McLaughlin the winner, along for his 60, sorry, my apologies, his 47th career win uh, in the V8 Supercar Championship. Second was Lee Holdsworth, who's had a couple of podiums already this season uh, in his Tickford Ford Mustang. And third was Anton de Pasquale in the Erebus Motorsport Holden Commodore. So that was day one. Lots happening uh, on day one. But day two on the Sunday held under um, held in the daytime, so under the sunlight. Uh, well, this was when the basically the form book was ripped into shreds. One thing that what where the form book was still intact was Scott McLaughlin putting it on pole position in his Ford Mustang, his sixty fifth career pole, and his tenth at Sydney Motorsport Park, and. If he were to go on to win race two, he would equal the great Peter Brock's win tally. And Peter Brock, for many, is the greatest Australian racing driver of all time. But Scott McLaughlin started on the hard tyre. Shane Van Gisbergen, along beside him, once more, started on the soft tyre. So, same thing. It's almost a, a carbon copy of race one, but that's where it ended. McLaughlin got a great launch off the start. Shane Van Gisbergen beat him to turn two. But at lap 14, Scott McLaughlin came in and switched to the soft tyre. And at that point on the broadcast, they played a bit of team radio. And normally team radio could be pretty dull, to be honest. But this was really important. We heard um, Scott McLaughlin's crew chief, Ludo, who, who who runs his side of the garage, saying came on the radio saying, we're aiming for a high 1 minute 31 second lap. Now, on a soft tyre, Scott McLaughlin could go quicker than that, I would imagine. But he knew that Ludo had calculated the pace that he needed to run to and running to a number. Now, it was clear that for um, Scott McLaughlin and his um, DGR Team Penske team that they were they were definitely playing the strategy to get the points on the board early, burn the tyres up in the first couple of races uh, and then worry about race three later. But get the points on the board, get them on there. Once they're on there, they're on there. Uh, I think that was very much their strategy was using Scott's pace from pole position in race one to go on to the victory. And I, I think that that strategy worked really, really well. They don't have the luxury to hold tires back to the end of the weekend and then get involved in silly incidents and then they ended up end up not scoring many points at all and that was certainly what some of Scott's rivals certainly did um looking to spread their tires out over the weekend and and that hurt them so i think that strategy from um Scott McLaughlin and team Penske really worked quite well getting those points on the board in the opening two races but it wasn't Scott McLaughlin who got to winner's circle in race two of the weekend, it was Nick Perkett once again in his Dunlop Super Dealers team uh, holding Commodore with Brad Jones racing. Now, Nick Perkett, he started on a soft tyre and when he came into pit lane, changed for another set of soft tyres. So soft and then soft. So he's the, the soft tyre is a lot faster than the hard tyre. That soft, is, as it said, it gives more grip uh, and uh, than the hard tyre will. So he had two sets of soft tyres to play with and therefore a really fast race car for the whole of the race. So he was going all in. That was his, basically that was where he was pushing his chips forward and going in for the race win and sacrificing performance in race one and race three to make sure that he had the very best tyres for him to go for it in race two. And it worked. 
Scott McLaughlin's uh, Penske teammate, Fabian Coulthard, did the same thing. He started on a soft tyre and pitted for more soft. So he was also doing the same, pushing his chips all in and going for the race when he finished second in the race so very very nearly but the final spot on the podium my goodness me what a punch-up we saw for the final spot of the podium where we saw Scott McLaughlin in his Penske Mustang Rick Kelly in his Castrol Kelly Motorsport Ford Mustang um, Chaz Moster in his Walkinshaw Andretti United Holden and James Courtney in the Boost Mobile uh, Tickford Ford Mustangs. So you had four teams there and both manufacturers having a right old bust up trying to get that last spot on the podium. The last spot on the podium went to Scott McLaughlin but it went to Scott McLaughlin over James Courtney by about 45 centimetres. <laughs> not, not very much at all. It was a proper drag race to the line uh, at, down the hill at Sydney Motorsport Park and what an entertaining finish to the race and quite honestly entertaining that's the word that we've been missing in supercars up until this change of format so it's great to to see it so the results from race two nick Perkat taking the victory with fabian coulthard getting his first podium since the last race of last season at newcastle third was mclaughlin putting in a really good performance and giving himself a very strong point tally for the whole event james courtney in fourth chance moster fifth and rick kelly came in sixth Jamie Wincup, Scott McLaughlin's closest championship uh, rival, currently sitting in second in the championship behind Scott McLaughlin, he finished 17th, so not so good for Triple Eight and for Red Bull Holden and Jamie Wincup. Race three, well, race three was more unpredictability and more entertainment. There you go. That's you can see a theme starting here. In race three, it was Andre Heimgartner who started from pole, his first ever pole position in his Ned Australian Whiskey Kelly Racing Ford Mustang. Now, race three was interesting because there were quite a few drivers who had held back their very best tyres for last. So they again, they were going all in. Also, we had Mark Winterbottom, had two good sets of soft tyres. Jack LeBrock did also, and David Reynolds. David Reynolds racing for Erebus Penwright at Holden Motorsport. McLaughlin, on the other hand, Scott McLaughlin, he in his Mustang, he had nothing left. <laughs> He'd used up all his tyres uh, in the first two races, and in race three, well, it, he suffered, big style. He um, In the opening stint of race three, he actually started on soft tyres and at the first, because for the broadcast team and for us watching on TV, you know that they're on a soft tyre because it's painted yellow and there's a little light in the in the windscreen that tells you that. Or if they're on a hard, the light is off and the tyre has is painted white on the side. Uh, however, you don't know how good a soft or how good a hard tyre is. And, well, McLaughlin started off on soft tyres that were dead from uh, straight away. So... In, in fact, so much so that he was suffering so badly that actually he was being passed by drivers on hard tyres. That's how, how bad his softs were. Uh, and when he came into pit lane, I'm sure he was very, very glad to get rid of those tyres that were well, well past their best. And when he came back out, uh, out of pit lane, he got caught behind Lee Holdsworth um, for a number of laps when, when he did actually have some speed to deploy but wasn't able to deploy it because he was stuck behind Lee Holdsworth so it was very much a damage limitation and he finished well outside of the top 10 
So that's something we're not used to seeing about um, someone like Scott McLaughlin uh, or, for that matter, someone like Jamie Winkup or Shane Van Gisbergen. But that's what we're seeing. We're seeing such a, a variety of winners and positions. And quite honestly, that's what we want to be seeing, in my opinion. Um, but the battle for the win, my word, the battle for the win was an incredible punch-up as well. And the great thing was you had four V8 supercar teams competing. You had Tickford. You had, with their Mustangs, you had Kelly racing with their Mustangs, Erebus with their Holdens, and Brad Jones racing with their Holdens. So you had four four teams, four independent teams, fighting with two manufacturers in there as well. So you had Jack LeBrock, Andre Heimgartner, Todd Hazelwood, and David Reynolds, all fighting on track all at once. And all four of these drivers had indicated that race three as the race where they were going for the win. So you had four drivers on equal performance, all going for it at once on good tyres. So it's not like what we saw in Formula 1 a few years ago where the tire, where the drivers had to run six laps off the pace, otherwise they would be nowhere. It's not like that. You're always going to have someone in the field who's up there on the best tyres at the right time. So you've got some more storylines up and down the pit lane. That's that's the, the important part. And it was Jack LeBrock who came, came to, and he won. Jack LeBrock won in the number 55 super cheap auto Ford Mustang run by Tickford. Second was Andre Heimgartner in his Ned Australian Whiskey Ford Mustang. Third was Todd Hazelwood. And I have to say, Todd Hazelwood, he's got a really cool sponsor. He's got, do you remember Brute? Brute uh, Cologne and Aftershave? Yep, that's his sponsor, Brute, uh, in the Brute Holden. Uh, and fourth was David Reynolds uh, in his Erebus Penrite Racing uh, Holden as well so it was a brilliant race three brilliant a, a brilliant weekend of racing in the supercars championship and I have to say uh, the new format that the the supercars organizers have come up with is superb and I have to say it's come at just the right moment because we've had a number of seasons where not just the winner circle but the podium has been completely dominated locked out by Red Bull Holden and DGR Team Penske, Shell Viper Team Penske with their Ford. So if you're an independent team owner, now Triple Eight and uh, um, Penske obviously are independent as well, but they're very powerful organisations and Triple Eight have the backing of Red Bull and Penske have the backing of Shell. So the money involved in these two programmes is significant. And for independent team owners, and we've seen a couple of them drop off. Um, so, for example, um, Gary Rogers, um, who actually gave Scott McLaughlin his big shot in the V8 Supercar Championship about six years ago. Uh, Gary Rogers actually had to pull out of supercars because the costs are getting too extreme. Now, I think it was a combination of the cost being too extreme and not being able to have any sort of chance to get the results. But now we're in a position where you've got teams you've got independent teams who have to go out and really fight for sponsorship all the time they need to go out and get that commercial sponsorship all the time to keep the cars on the track and to keep the drivers behind the wheel now that sponsorship is a lot easier to get if the cars are getting into victory lane or even even on the podium and with this new format that opens up that possibility so much more than ever before and that for from a business perspective for for the for just when you think about the business to business for the teams for the teams to stay alive and get the finance in to be the revenue in from sponsorship to be able to compete it's a fantastic thing the other side of the business coin is the people watching on tv 
Again, the sponsors want to know how many people are watching, how many people are engaged in the sport. And the more people who are engaged in the sport, more people are watching, the more sponsorship you get. However, if you have a dull product, uh, then you will not get people watching it. Nowadays, there is so much for people to fill their fill their time with. There's, if you look at like with streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, etc., everything is just at your fingertips now, and you have unbelievable amount of choice of what to watch. And I think if you can come up with something as entertaining as the V8 Supercar Championship have now, uh, it's it, it's well, I think they're they're very much on a winner with this new format. And quite honestly, it's just in the nick of time. So, what does that mean for the championship what, then? Well, Scott McLaughlin comes away with, a, with increasing his championship lead significantly. He now sits on 802 points in his DGR Penske Ford, leading Jamie Wincup, who currently sits on 695 points in second. So there's a big gap already, already one race win gap between the two. Chaz Moster having a brilliant opening season with the Andretti Walkinshaw United team uh, in the Holden, switching from the Ford Mustang to the Holden Commodore. He sits in third with 610 points. In fourth is Nick Perkat, the real renaissance man in the Brad Jones Racing Dunlop Super Dealers Holden. He sits on 569 points on equal points with Cam Waters in the Monster Energy Drink Tickford Ford Mustang. Sixth is David Reynolds on 562 points in the Erebus Holden. And seventh, Shane Van Gisbergen. Expected him to be up a, a little bit more, but Shane Van Gisbergen sitting on 263 points. He's a long way back uh, in the triple eight Holden. Now, what does that mean for the championship? Well, the team's championship is still very much a battle between Shell Vipar uh, DGR Team Penske and Red Bull Holden and at the moment Shell Viper just edging it by 1256 points to 1234 for Red Bull Holden so very very close indeed but again very much due to Scott, McLaugh Scott McLaughlin's point tally for the Shell Viper team. So that's what where we are in the V8 Supercar Championship at the moment. Like I said, if you're interested in watching it, if you live in Australia and New Zealand, there's usually there'll be a network TV deal of some description there where you can you know you will not be struggle to find it on the TV and you'll be well aware of it already. Out with of Australia and New Zealand, use the the Superview. It's fantastic. Forty uh, Australian dollars uh, a year, I believe, and it has every single practice qualifying and race live and on demand uh, through an internet streaming service so go onto the supercars website search for superview and you can watch this amazing racing championship thanks so much uh, for listening to this episode i really hope that you enjoyed it now regular listeners to the show will know that i'm on a bit of a journey growing my career as a motor racing commentator and most nights every week i'm commentating on various uh, various championships in the sim racing world while we wait patiently for um, real world racing to come back to life uh, i've actually been doing a lot of commentary with with uh, in the sim racing world and you can check out all of what I've been up to on my website which is www.petermackaymotorsport.com 
www.peterandmccaimotorsport.com and you can go on there, you can check every episode of the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast, you can look at all of my commentary uh, videos which are all based on YouTube uh, and also the the articles which I write on motorsport as well. So check that out, Uh, delighted uh, delighted to, to see you on there. Also don't forget as well, a couple of weeks ago I had the immense good fortune of interviewing a Scottish motor racing legend, Alan McNish, three-time Le Mans winner. And uh, Alan was just so generous with his time and his stories as well. Um, So you can check that out on the website or via your podcast provider as well. So do check out that interview. Alan was on really great form. Thanks very much for listening, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon on the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast.